Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning in the month dedicated to the most sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, big show today. Um, Brent Haynes is going to be joining us again on the program in the second half, or the top of the second hour, to cover more than just Roe v. Wade. A treasure trove of bombshell cases came out of the Supreme Court. Uh, gun control, religious liberty, uh, school choice, so many cases. We're going to cover the rest of those cases with Brent Haynes at the top of the next hour. For those of you that can't join us in this hour, Sean Carney, president of 40 Days for Life, will be on at 15 past the hour to talk about the ramifications of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, especially as it pertains to uh, 40 Days for Life, their campaigns. It's a, it's a major victory, as so many have fought and uh, worked for so many years, for so long, we're going to get Sean Carney's take. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to speak with Charlie Spearing from Breitbart News. He's the White House correspondent there to catch us up on the story that was sort of a minor story last week about, you know, the tit for tat between President Joe Biden and the oil company executives. What are war powers and what does Biden have up his sleeve to force the oil companies to do certain things? We're going to catch all of that with Charlie Spearing at 35 past the hour. Unfortunately, there is breaking news this morning out of San Antonio. Another horrible, disgusting incident of 46, some say 47 uh, migrants that uh, were found dead in the back of a trailer. Uh, It was a reefer trailer. It was not turned on. And the coyote, the criminal, the cartel member, whom they paid so much money to get them across that border, apparently left them for dead. There are apparently three people in custody. We don't know more details about that uh, this morning. But 18 were taken to the hospital. So please pray for the repose of so many souls that were needlessly lost at the hands of criminals that brought them across that border. Historic Catholic Church in West Virginia was burned to the ground in, I guess, apparently a protest against the road decision. At least that's what some are saying. New York Supreme Court strikes down law that allowed non-citizens to vote. Hey, getting back to the law. What do you know? And the Supreme Court uh, upholds Christian coaches' right to pray at games. We'll cover that story with Brent Haynes coming up in this hour. Lots going on today. Good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with uh, with Brent Haynes about that uh, religious liberty case of the, uh, the coach. Uh, we covered, uh, I think we interviewed the attorney who was representing yeah. uh, that, that coach. So it's going to be interesting to hear what happened. Yeah, for sure. There were so many cases. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I know. I, grieve. I mean, it was like nuclear explosion time for the Supreme Court cases. They're like, oh, time's up. I better finish my work. All right, I'm done. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> the earth shook. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. And today, you know, a number of things. One Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. uh, Kim Sunderman texted me yesterday and said, hey, could you give a shout out to the Holy Ghost Fathers? They just had their ordinations. Wow. And so that that happened over the weekend, last weekend. So praise be to God. Yeah, praise be to God. Congratulations to those men who received holy orders. And and other news, I have a number of friends. I have tons of, for some reason, today is really Mm -hmm. popular for birthdays. I had like three, (laughs) four 
four people that are friends of mine that all had birthdays. So happy birthday to all of you. So <laughs> praise be to God. It's going to be a jam-packed day. Wow. That's good. I like to hear that. It's at least something positive. i got to tell you, I was watching the local news coverage in San Antonio about the incident. And uh, not one use of the word coyote uh, was used in their, in their two-hour coverage of the horrible incident there. Um, not one use of the word cartel, criminal, uh, none of that. They, they were all omitted by everyone who was interviewed, including the CEO of Catholic Charities out of San Antonio, uh, refused, ducked the question. When asked by a reporter, hey, what would you say to people who are headed to the border right now? Well, I don't want to tell them to come or not come. Well, that's, yeah, fine, fair enough. I don't want to tell them either. However, you might tell them that coyotes are evil people that will leave you dead in the back of a trailer. So you might want to be careful about giving them your money. Honestly, it blows my mind uh, that people use these these coyotes. I mean, you think about it, um, people save up so much money. And, yeah. you know, one of the, the common themes in Mexico is people say, oh, there's no money here. That's why I'm going to the United States. So they scrape together all they right. can. Right, hard-earned money. Really hard-earned money. Yeah. They come here, and uh, there's a certainty that they can be left behind by like this. It's yeah. crazy. And I'm glad, like, uh, Catholic Charities is available to help those that are surviving this. I, I give God praise for that. But it just, it, it angers me mm-hmm. that we refuse to address the situation in any real and substantive way by avoiding the elephant in the room, yeah. which is these coyotes. We should be denouncing them at all opportunities, but we never seem to do. Let's just call a spade a spade here. We shouldn't be giving people our hard-earned money that are evil and, uh, and will leave us dead in the back of trailers, for crying out loud. All right, let's pray for their soul today. We're going to be uh, offering up the memorari for them and for your intentions, dear listener, and so much to cover. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has had recourse to thy sacred heart, implored its help, or sought its mercy was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, we present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sins. In our misery, O sacred heart of Jesus, despise not our simple prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, June 28th, and here are your headlines this morning. DW reports several killed by toxic, toxic gas leak at Acaba Port. At least 10 people were killed on Monday when a chlorine gas storage tank was dropped and poisonous fumes leaked out of the Aqaba port in port in Jordan. Footage shown on state television showed the tank falling from a crane and hitting the deck of a ship below, which resulted in a large cloud of chlorine gas rising into the air. People were seen running away from the scene. More than 250 people were injured. The Epic Times reports Russia defaults on foreign debt for the first time since 1918 amid Western sanctions. Russia was, has defaulted on its foreign debt for the first time since 1918 after the grace period on its $100 million payment expired, according to reports. Russia said that it had sent the money to Euroclear Bank SA, which would then distribute the payment to investors, but the payments allegedly got stuck there amid increased sanctions from the West on Moscow, and their creditors did not receive them. Axios reports Israel eases abortion rules after Roe v. Wade ruling. The Knesset Labor and Welfare Committee in Israel authorized a proposal to amend Israel's criminal code over medical abortion procedures. The new rules offer women access to abortion pills through Israel's universal health system. 
It also removes a long-time requirement that women appear physically before a committee before they are approved for pregnancy termination. The application process for the review committee will be digitized too. This means that women will no longer need to, to drop the application off in person. And the Daily Caller reports Sheriff Ed Gonzalez, Biden's ICE nominee, withdraws. Gonzalez, who famously criticized using an ICE screening database which allowed inmates to be screened to determine immigration status, cited increased crime in Houston as a reason for the withdrawal, telling Biden that he must devote his full and undivided attention toward fulfilling the duties that the people of Harris County elected him to perform. ICE will now face its sixth year in a row without a confirmed leader. The withdrawal coincides with the worst border crisis in history that has plagued the U.S. since Biden took office. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Vincenza Garosa. Born in 1847, Katerna Garosa was born in Louvre on the 29th of October, 1784, as the first of four children. All girls, including Francesca, who died around the same time as her father. Her mother died in 1814, and Garosa was often reserved as a child and began her education under the instruction of the Benedictines at Gandino. But her poor health prevented her from continuing her studies. This prompted her to leave and return to Louvre, where she spent time at the counter of the store her parents managed. Her father was in the tanning business and dealt in leather goods. Garosa lost her relationships and her relations in rapid succession and was left alone to manage the business. She prayed and used her inheritance to provide charitable works in the area and became active in her local parish. She organized a women's group with meetings and spiritual retreats and even founded a practical school to teach poor girls of the area domestic work so as to improve their situation in life. She liked to tend to the grapevines for making wine and loved the idea that the grapes would go towards a sacramental wine used as part of the Eucharistic rite as the blood of Christ. In 1824, she met the school teacher Bartolome Capatiano in Lover. The pair founded a hospital funded with the assets of the estate. In, Austin, in autumn of 1832, the pair founded a religious institute based in Casa de Gaia in the 21st of November 1832. With Capitiano, she made her profession in the religious name Vincenza in the parish of San Giorgio before the priest Rusticiano Barbogilo and Angelo Bosio. Her friend and collaborator Capitiano died in 1833. She was tempted to return to her previous life at Louvre, but she agreed to continue the work that they two had started after her spiritual director encouraged her to do so. She died on the 29th of June, 1847, in Louvre after an extended illness claimed her. In 2005, there were 5,068 religious in total of 447 houses in nations such as Japan, the UK, and the mother house of the order is located in, in Milan. St. Vincenza Garosa Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. As Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm came up on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, why are you terrified, O oh, you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock, quoting uh, St. Chrysostom, said, quote, This bark is the Catholic Church. The sea denotes the world. The winds and tempests show the attempts of the wicked spirits to overturn the church. The Lord seems to sleep when he permits his church to suffer persecution and other trials which he permits, that he may prove her faith and reward her virtue and merits. Close quote. St. Chrysostom, pray for us. Hadock's commentary goes on to say, The apostles had followed their divine master. They were with him and executing his orders. And, in, and it is under these circumstances that they were overtaken with a storm. If their obedience to Jesus Christ, if his presence did not free them from danger, to what frightful storms do those persons expose themselves who undertake the voyage of the present life without him? What can they expect but to be tossed to and fro for a time, and at last miserably to founder? Faithful souls ought from the example here offered them to rise superior to every storm and tempest by invoking the all-powerful and ever-ready assistance of heaven and by always calling in God to their help before they undertake anything of moment. Close quote, Hadock's commentary. That is profound and amazing. What's the bottom line here? Just like Adam in the garden, by the tree, and his spouse confronted with uh, Nahash, this creature, whom he was king over, by the way, should have commanded him be gone, but he didn't. He stood there silently. He could have called out to God for help, and he chose not to. And man fell. And here we are dealing with it all the same. And so Hadock's commentary, St. Chrysostom's commentary, is trying to tell us the church, in a storm, in a tempest, do you remain silent? Do you act like it's all okay? Do you think you can figure this out on your own? Or do you cry out to the one who is able to help and to come, as our Lord and Savior Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane? The new Adam, crying out to the one with loud cries and lamentations. He cried out to the one who was able to come and help. That is the lesson for us today. We are in a storm. We are in the tempest. The world around us wants to destroy us. And so many Catholics buy the world, the flesh, and the devil and forfeit their faith and renounce and turn their backs on their lords rather than cry out to God who will come to the rescue. Let us cry out today. So much to cry out for. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us, Sean Carney in 40 Days for Life is coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. 
If there were moral absolutes, well, then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there is an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativism either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to speak with Charlie Spearing, the White House correspondent from Breitbart News. To catch us up on that uh, story last week between Joe Biden and the oil execs, especially Chevron. Well, a little, little tit for tat going on there. But really, what's, what's really at the heart of that story? What are emergency war powers that he is promising to invoke? And what will that mean for these oil companies? What are they capable of doing that they could do? And why aren't they doing it? All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. Uh, but there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And, uh, you know, of course, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is still utterly massive. And we've uh, we've asked Sean Carney, president of 40 Days for Life, to be on with us to give us his take. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Happy uh, post-Roe America. <laughs> yeah, praise be to God. Happy post-Roe America. Oh, happy day. So, you know, uh, where were you when you got the news and what were you doing? Uh, well, I was uh, with my family, which was great, but it was one of the rare times I did not have my phone on me. I was um, – so my, my wonderful bride, Mary Lisa, ran in and said they overturned it because, of course, I had assured everyone in our family and, and everyone in America who's part of 40 Days for Life that it would come out Monday. So I was – you know, I was sitting there going, okay, it's definitely going to be Monday, and then uh, – uh, Mary Lisa ran out and said, "Hey, they just overturned it." And so it was. It was awesome. It was beautiful. It was a, a wild day. Um, we got great media coverage. We, meaning the pro-life movement, not just Forty Days for Life, and um, and it sent shockwaves around the world. Um, I mean, one of the interviews that I did was on the BBC uh, morning program, and Forty Days for Life has a huge presence in the UK, and. You know, I think the world is shocked that we actually corrected our our grave error, and um, they're not even angry about it. They just, I think, people in countries will rethink abortion, particularly countries where we've exported abortion in in Africa and in Latin America. So, it's a great day for America, uh, a great day for Texas, but also a great day for the church, and. You know, a lot of people criticize Catholicism. Uh, sometimes it's it's well deserved, um, but this was getting criticized for the right reasons uh, of of doing the right thing and of being opposed to the world. And and I really thought it was a a great day uh, for for Catholics in America. Yeah, amen to that. You know, I, I was just thinking, you know, America has more in common with China on abortion than it does with most of Europe, though. Um, European yeah, abortion the, the, yeah. laws seem a lot less than ours. 
Yeah, no, France would be the most conservative pro-life state in the Union if they joined the U.S. I mean, it's 12 weeks most of Europe. It's 25 weeks in the U.K., and they're kind of the crazy extreme people in Europe. Um, so this, you know, uh, the, the Supreme Court justices are courageous, I guess, because they didn't give in to the, you know, but this was basic common sense. Roe was bad law. The justices did exactly what they should have done, which is overturn this ridiculous law that was given by their predecessors. And they did it. And, and, and they didn't just overturn Roe. Uh, they really beat it up with a baseball bat. Um, and, and that, that's what was so brilliant about the opinion that, you know, when you read Alito's opinion, it's clear. He's obviously a brilliant legal mind, but it's clear, uh, he knows natural law and he's just a, uh, you know, well formed, solid Catholic. And, um, so it, it was great. We are, we're in a category with North Korea and China and we overturn Roe. And, you know, people are going to scream in the streets and say it's the end of the world. And, and they don't know what to do. And we predicted that. We saw it play out. They, they, you know, abortion advocates have had to deny science and live in these vague, you know, rhetoric and, and all these terms. And they've never actually talked about what an abortion is or why it's good, why it's bad, when we should do it, why we should do it then and not at 40 weeks and why do we even need to regulate it we don't regulate you know getting our wisdom teeth removed you can just you need it done you get it done so it they've never had to discuss it and that's why you see the the fill in the blank uh, arguments as i call them you know now they're gonna come after and you just fill in the blank interracial marriages you know alito is going to start going door to door and arresting people in interracial marriage it's all this ridiculous stuff because they they don't know what to say. Right, because Clarence Thomas would be very much uh, for segregation I, I, and, and the I like. I have a feeling he would object to that. He's, you know, in yeah. an interracial marriage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Although he did, uh, in his, uh, you know, his opinion on the on the case, he did make clear that he feels there are other big cases that need to be now reviewed, Obergefell being one of them, uh, yeah. because they're based on the same flawed principles. Yeah, it, and he he made that connection. Of course, everybody flipped out about that. Um, and Alito, in the opinion, uh, said that that's not. We're just focusing on abortion here. We're not doing that. Um, but technically, Thomas is right. I think Thomas is one of the greatest minds <laughs> in the history of the United States. That's just that's yeah. just a fact. Amen. Um, but they could because here's what the, here's here's what they said with Roe. Hey, the Supreme Court made this up because politically they felt like we needed abortion and we can't make stuff up <laughs> that's not what we do and we made up gay marriage yeah and one of the greatest documents in our country it's sad that it had to be written but if you read the dissent written by scalia god rest his soul if you read the dissent in gay marriage um it's brilliant and and he talks about how Americans will now have to whisper in the privacy of their own homes their basic beliefs on marriage that every civilization has ever believed until now when this court made up a new version, you know. And uh, so it's that's Thomas's point is he's saying, you know, we've made up stuff before and it's not a moral judgment on those things. It's. This is this is just create. We created privacy for abortion, and we created a new form of marriage, which is a 
pretty big deal and very arrogant of us to do. What do you make of the day that it was released? I mean, I find there were several very significant. <laughs> I mean, is it a coincidence here? I think it was Justice Thomas's birthday. Uh, I heard it was Nellie Gray's birthday. Uh, it's the Feast of the Sacred Heart. John the Baptist. I mean, pretty significant stuff. How, what do you make of that? We should expect it. We should expect it. And I was shaming myself, uh, which I'm a fan of doing, and I know, Joe, you're a fan of doing. Shaming um, you? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is, you know, I was like, of course it was going to be on the Sacred Heart. Like, how did I not see that? Um, so, and, you know, Mother Angelica built that beautiful shrine in Alabama. It's it's a very underrated shrine. I encourage everybody to, to get out to Hansville, Alabama. And when you walk up the main steps, she decided to do something. It's 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 beautiful. She has a statue of the child Jesus, and he's holding his sacred heart out. And she said that she put that statue to to welcome women who have had an abortion, that the sacred heart would heal them from abortion. And I, I never forgot that. It's a beautiful statue. But this is what it's about. You know, we in the pro-life movement have gone into the grassroots. We've changed hearts and minds. We've said it was about hearts and minds. And, and then when our court overturns this unjust law, it's, it's on the face of the sacred heart. I think divine intervention was written all over this in, in many different ways. You know, I mean, I, I, frankly, I never want to hear from a Catholic never Trumper ever again. Everybody ran around and said, you don't like him. He's a jerk. But yet you need to vote for him because he's going to put Supreme Court justices that will overturn Roe. And they either said, I don't care or I won't get over my hatred of him or whatever the reason. And it's God's sense of humor. It's irony. However you want to put it, um, Donald Trump did exactly what he said he was going to do. And we saw that on Friday. People don't like that. They, you know, whatever. You don't have to like Trump. But as a president from the pro-life perspective, which is why we vote the, the, uh, the way we vote is in hopes of it's a frustrating vote, I think, because we're often disappointed. Mm. But it's the hopes that we'll get the justices to overturn Roe. And that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened last Friday. So I think that the timing of everything um, and you saw the left turn on Ruth uh, Ginsburg. Because she said Roe was bad law, because she was an honest human being. <laughs> um, you know, so now they've canceled her. I'm not sure if they're aware that she's deceased. <laughs> um, I don't think they care. <laughs> but that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very important fact when you get canceled. Is you're actually aware that you've been canceled. So yeah. um, maybe that's a sign we should pray for her soul. But, you know, the whole thing is just uh, divine intervention and the timing of it. And... Also, it's just decades of, for people doing this work longer mm -hmm. than, than we've been alive and, and changing hearts and minds. You know, I think the most powerful thing for me personally was watching the news. I watched all the networks to see what everybody was saying. And there were, there were a lot of current feminists that are for abortion on. And there were a lot of feminists who supported abortion and, and don't anymore. Yeah. And both of them said the same thing. They said, we just knew this was coming because the pro-life movement has won the messaging battle. And they have been the side of compassion. They've been the side of, of 
having a positive message. I mean, abortion is a very negative position. That's why it's very weak politically. Uh, this notion that the Democrats are going to somehow take advantage of it in November is a joke. No politician can run on abortion. It's how we got Yunkin in Virginia. And so, but you can run on being pro-life. It's just positive. And the feminists were saying all this, and, and I thought it was a, a great testament of, you know, they've had their talking points. They've known what to say. They've, they've pointed out science. They've progressed. And the pro-abortion side is still saying these washed-up phrases like my body, my choice that were created in the 70s. Um, so it, 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 it's a great day for our movement. There's tons of work ahead, but it's certainly something to be celebrated. Yeah. You know, we're kind of coming up to the uh, the end of the segment, but, uh, maybe talk to us about what, uh, what you're doing to regear for the next part of the battle. Uh, now that we celebrate this victory, there's, there's still a little bit more war left. Uh, so what do you think, uh, you're going to be doing? Got about a minute and a half. Great. Well, we started prepping for post row when Kavanaugh got in. At 40 Days for Life. So that's why we launched 40 Days for Life University, where people can get trained on sidewalk outreach. Uh, we launched 40 Days for Life 365 to have a year-round presence outside of abortion facilities. We'll have over 80 cities doing that. That has taken off. But really, it's our training. It, it doesn't end abortion at all, but in some places it will, like Texas. But it changes the geography of it. And so that's where 40 Days for Life is in perfect position Speaking of, of divine intervention, he has really set us up with one million volunteers in a thousand cities, and we will be able to uh, have 40 days for life campaigns at abortion facilities. We'll be able to go where they build new abortion facilities, and they will definitely do that. Uh, but for us Texans, the, we're going to see some closures. They're going to have to dump some real estate. Planned Parenthood will, and praise God for that. But yeah. we're we're ready. We're excited. Praise be to God. Sean Carney, President, 40 Days for Life. Thank you for being on with us today. We always enjoy having you on, sir. Thank you. Congratulations to uh, everyone at 40 Days for Life, all the volunteers who pray, fast, do penance, and witness. It's all paid off. We're going to be right back after the break. Charlie Steering from Breitbart's going to be on talking about the oil execs and Biden. What's going on there? Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Blaze Report's mom, who saved her own kids from Uvalde massacre, says she's now being harassed by police. And Julie Rose Gomez said that she had been threatened by police and was uh, and has faced increased scrutiny after she spoke to media about how she saved her children. She says, quote, the other night we were exercising and we had a cop parked at the corner flickering his headlights at us, Gomez said. She had also previously claimed that a police officer had called her and warned her that she might be in violation of her probation from an arrest a decade ago if she kept speaking to the media. However, she only began speaking to the media after confirming with the judge that she would not be violating her probation. LifeSite reports historic Catholic Church in West Virginia burned to the ground after Roe reversal. St. Coleman Church was burned to the ground amid a slew of recent attacks on Catholic churches and pro-life organizations in the United States. According to police, the historic church, which was built in 1878 and was given a special historical site designation in 1984, was completely burned to the ground and smoldering by the time authorities arrived on the scene on Sunday morning. The fire has been declared suspicious by authorities and is currently under investigation. And Breitbart reports oil producers try refracts to get more product out of established wells. U.S. shale oil producers are working to increase output despite the left's antagonism to increasing domestic production. This strategy will allow producers to use high, the high cost of crude to support operations without making major investments in new wells and refineries, while weighing future uncertainties. The process involves going back to established wells and using a special technique to extract any remaining oil. Producers say this technique does not require additional permits or renegotiations with landowners. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us now uh, via Zoom chat is Charlie Spearing. He's the White House correspondent at Breitbart. Good morning to you, Mr. Spearing. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Um, last week, there was a story that was hitting the news, and then, of course, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade sort of changed all of that. <laughs> but there was a little tit-for-tat going on between President Joe Biden and his administration and oil executives, and some oil executives got a little bit more, uh, a little bit more sensitive, as President Biden might say, than others. Can you tell us the backstory? Yeah, so the president's kind of trying to leverage Americans against the oil companies and so that they blame oil companies for high gas prices and not him. And so he's, it's been this kind of back and forth. Uh, one, you, it's, it's interesting that Biden sort of refuses to meet with the oil executives as, as typically a president would do when he's trying to encourage them to be patriotic and produce more oil. Um, but in, in this case, he sort of shuffled that meeting off to Jennifer Granholm and, and choosing rather to d do this like back and forth between the oil companies and his administration. Just to, you know, just demanding that they just low, you know, lower those gas prices and, and produce more oil. And we can, you know, this is this is me putting it, you know, taking this issue very seriously because. That's how you lower gas prices is just by telling them to do it. <laughs> now, at first I thought this has just got to be a PR stunt. He's just doing this for the press or something. But then he actually wrote them a letter. Did he not? Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Obviously, you know, it was, it was a couple of weeks ago. He tried to just sort of 
spook the oil companies by threatening to use his emergency powers. And that, that includes emergency war powers. So, wow, you know, sending the signal that he's prepared to sort of nationalize the oil industry if they don't listen to him. Well, that, that's kind of a ridiculous proposal at this point. But it's, you know, it, it, it was it was a letter meant to generate headlines. And, yeah, the oil companies definitely had some some reaction to that. They had some you know specific proposals that they sent to him and asked him to here's what we need to produce more oil. But, but it's not very it's not very clear that the Biden administration is taking any of that seriously at this point. So when he says war powers, if we're not at war or are we at war? that would give him the powers to be able to enact these threats? Yeah, the legal the legal uh, definition is sort of hazy at this moment, right? He, he could claim that the, that the war, that Putin's war in Ukraine, uh, so, you know, makes it necessary to do. This is something he hasn't put out in detail. Him and his lawyers haven't put out in detail, but, you know, putting that message out there uh, certainly tries to drive headlines, certainly tries to get some some more people aware of what he could do. And it's, it's, it's a really unclear exactly how he would go. You know, he's not likely to go that far at this point, but he's, he's trying to rattle the cage. I mean, we've given how many billions of dollars to Ukraine? How much, how many missiles and weapon systems? I mean, I, that, that sounds like war to me. Yeah, well, that's where we're at with the Ukraine war. Uh, you know, Biden just announced a plan. You know, he's in Europe right now, and he just announced a plan to provide Ukraine with surface-to-air missiles. Now, that's that's another significant investment in Ukraine's war war power. Um, but he hasn't sort of demonstrated that he's willing to send troops into Ukraine. That's sort of the line he hasn't crossed yet. But as he continues to escalate the amount of equipment and arms to Ukraine and the amount of support, It'll be in, you know, in recent, in that he's already planning to send more troops to Poland. So it's only a matter of time before um, Putin starts uh, raising, you know, starts getting a little bit concerned about the level of, of interaction that, that Biden and the Ukrainians have. Mr. Spearing, uh, you know, I'm curious uh, to get an update also on um, this meeting that was supposed to take place between uh, Joe Biden and, uh, and the, um, the, uh, the prince of uh, Saudi Arabia that was supposed to happen this month, but it got pushed to next month. Do you have any updates on that? And what do you anticipate that will do to uh, increase oil production? Will it even affect any of the the prices here in America? Do you think? Yeah, that's interesting because there there was a conversation between the French president Emmanuel Macron and Biden that took place. He's over in Europe right now at the G7 summit. And, you know, Macron pulled him aside kind of in front of the news media camera. So it's, it's kind of a, a weird little moment of, of international diplomacy. But Macron tells him that, you know, you know, the United Arab Emirates and the Saudis are already at full production. And it's unlikely that they'll be able to increase production. Now, wow, if that's true, then, hmm. then yeah, Biden's trip is, is a waste of time. And if he can't convince OPEC nations to produce more oil, then there's really only one, two places to get oil, more oil. One is from the United States, increasing domestic production. And two is from, you know, all of these pariah states that we're trying to sanction. Russia, Venezuela, Iran. These are the three oil-centric nations that we that Biden could end up turning to if he wants to increase oil without increasing it in the United States. Not to divert from the, the topic of uh, 
the gas prices and the and the issue between oil execs and Biden. But uh, while he was there, President Joe Biden announced, along with the other members, uh, a six hundred billion dollar, you know, I guess uh, sort of anti Belt and Road initiative. Uh, what any thoughts on that? Yeah, this is something that they've that the you're, you know the, the West, the G7 nations have talked about is increasing these global investments to counter what China is doing with their Belt and Road Initiative. So China is giving all of these countries money to build infrastructure, but you know pulling in the strings and and sort of keeping them in prisoners of debt to their country so that they can sort of leverage that power um, to to for global control eventually. Uh, the G7 is trying to combat that with their own investments. And yeah, Biden's putting in a huge chunk of cash, you know, private and public funding that he wants to. So this is the first step by Western nations to sort of combat and show, you know, these developing nations, hey, work with us, not China. But, you know, too much of it is involved in, you know, the, in sort of the blocking the in, the intentional investments that the United States wants to do. They want to invest in green energy, providing and providing more childcare, and so that those signs, those sort of investments will be limited by sort of an ideology. So let's go back to uh, the oil execs. Chevron, in particular, seemed a lot more uh, uh, forthright in their response to him than, uh, say, Exxon did. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting seeing the willingness for you know oil companies kind of kind of poke back at Biden because Biden's been just sort of you know making them the enemy and sort of insisting that they're the ones being greedy and 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 not concerned about their customers. Well, you know they don't like they don't like to hear that, and so that for the Chevron CEO to sort of poke back at that is, is telling because it shows that they're not that afraid of Biden because his approval ratings are really low at this point. So it, it's interesting to see the oil companies standing up for themselves against the president of the United States. Yeah, it's not something you see every single day. I, and I've always thought you, you take the good times or the bad times when it comes to gas prices. I mean, when gas prices are low for us, they, their profits are lower. Um, gas prices are high, they're making out. So does it all even out? But these seem extraordinary times. Um, the gas prices are historically high. Uh, how, how do you see that? Yeah, we're we're dealing with record record high gas prices, and you know certainly we're going and driving around and seeing that five five dollar mark on so many gas stations Seven around in the country. LA. <laughs> yeah, but for all those who are living in L.A., you know it's it's uh, it's normal to have your gas prices be two dollars above what they used to be and mm. what they are in the rest of the country. But yeah, if if it wasn't for Biden's persistent agenda on clean energy, you know, all of those clips that are being recirculated of him bowing to end the fossil fuels industry, during, especially during his primary, you know, telling people, look into my eyes, I will end the fossil fuel industry. And, you know, to have those clips resurfacing at this point right. really just shows that yeah. Americans saw, Americans know who's at fault mm. at this point. You know, you can, Biden's try, and his administration have been hilariously trying to, to run around and promote this Putin's price hike thing for about a month, uh, maybe maybe more than a month now, and, but American people aren't really buying it. Hold that thought, hold that thought. Kate Chesterton says, thanks are the highest form of thought. At the sacrifice of the mass, we hear the priest say, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks.
always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says, we should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Charlie Spearing is our guest. He's the White House correspondent at Breitbart. We're talking about the uh, Biden administration versus oil executive story that was uh, circulating last week until we all forgot all about it because of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Praise be to God. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Mr. Spearing. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, before we had to go to that break real quick, about the oil companies in particular, like what, if they wanted to, uh, what could they do under the current circumstances? I know that they've asked, they sent a list, we want you to do this. We want to, we want to turn things back to the way it was under the Trump administration. We were exporting, things were good. Uh, but I know that's what they want, but if they could, like what could they do under the current circumstances to improve? And if they could do something, why wouldn't they? I'm curious. What say you, Mr. Spearing? Yeah, it's sort of an economic question at this point. What's interesting is that, you know, the refining capacity, so many of our refineries have been sort of pressed out of commission and shut down um, because of the impressive, you know, the incredible environmental regulations have pushed some of these aging refineries out of business. And there hasn't, I think this is the case that there hasn't been a major uh, refinery built in the United States since the 70s. And so how, how, and the old ones are starting to die out and being pressed out of service. And this is part of the ongoing agenda to sort of push out fossil fuels and replace, you know, this is what Biden and his allies in the, in the green industry want, press out, you know, domestic oil production and refining and replace it with something. So, and replace it with clean energy. So, this is sort of the issue. Like if you're an oil company and you're being asked to, you know, invest billions of dollars to a new refinery, why would you do that? If you're just going to be, if it's just going to be pressed out of service in the next 10, 20 years by clean energy. So that's sort of what they're dealing with here. And sort of that's why the Biden administration thinks that they can just rely on the middle East to do all the oil production until, until clean energy takes over. Well, that's it's showing that that sort of plan isn't working really, uh, especially if, if they're sort of at maximum capacity. The only thing we can do to boost our domestic production is to boost it domestically. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if the Biden administration actually, you know, proposes some some domestic, you know, refining 
and production ideas or if they're just going to stick with the status quo. Uh, what, what role does ESG scores at these financial institutions play? It seems to me that uh, that's also another angle, even if President Biden were to come out and say, you know what, I'm opening up all these leases, drill to your heart's content, do whatever you want. It seems to me that these oil companies are now having trouble getting the financing they need to, to do that sort of exploration because financial institutions want them to diversify into clean energy. Well, is there anything to that? Yeah, that's a very good point. You, we have so many uh, financial, uh, financial investment companies that just aren't willing to invest into oil because they're getting pressure from their, their investors and everyone else to stop investing in dirty oil. You know, there's a certain level of messaging that they want to have on that. Like we only invest in clean energy. That's why, you know, more billionaires should give us our, your money because we're, we're responsible. We have a conscience to protect the planet from climate change. So there is that aspect very much so. And you, you certainly see like oil companies being sort of portrayed as this pariah going forward and they're going to have to continue to figure out a way to say oh but we also care energy mr spearing uh, you know there one of the the biggest arguments um that i've heard about this whole situation is that um well there's a confusion really between what can the president really do versus what can the the oil companies do is there what what is the truth here? Because you know one of the underlying uh, facts of the story is that uh, you know Biden claims that the that the oil companies are being greedy, that they're capable of doing it. What's the what's the truth here? Is it is it really that the president has no control over this, or what can he do to increase production here in the United States? Well, you saw this if you guys remember the Colonial Pipeline hack. Uh, back then when on the East Coast was hit with a sudden spike in gas prices. One of the things he did was uh, sort of reduce the EPA requirements. So, and that was something that was unprecedented and something that, you know, the, the greenies weren't too happy about. Mm -hmm. So he could certainly do more regulatorily, just short term, to sort of lift, lift some of these requirements on refining capabilities. So that's one thing he could do that he has done before. And but yeah, you're right. Like this is the problem with the Biden administration. Their previous policies are what brought us to this moment, and it's very hard to untangle. Same with inflation. His previous policies are what could have caused this inflation, and it's very hard to lower inflation once that goes up. So Biden's really hit a moment where he, his previous policies are the things that are that are creating the current crisis today, and he has to face that. And and there's this is why we elect leaders to be leaders is for leaders to do policies that actually bring about good results not not yeah. fix problems as they arise to anticipate these problems ahead of time and prepare for them and and Biden is constantly being seen as a reactive president not not a leadership president mm. You know, one thing that I was thinking of during the break is this the whole idea of the tax breaks. And there's a lot of questions around that. Uh, some people are saying that it would have no effect whatsoever. Some people are saying it would have a huge effect. But some people are saying it will actually make things worse. And I am trying to wrap my head around all these different ideas. You would think that even if it would just make things better just a little bit, that would make sense. But what, so what's, what's going on with the, with the tax breaks? You're talking about the gas tax tax holiday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the gas tax holiday is a is a sort of a 
politically popular message to send out. But Biden's only doing this for show. He has no intention of actually moving forward on this. Congress has no intention of passing a gas tax holiday. You know, if Biden was serious about it, he could sort of maneuver the federal government to stop collecting this gas tax. But instead, he just stands up and says, I support this. I urge Congress to get it done. I urge states to do the same thing. You know, that's not it's not happening. Biden is just showboating for the cameras at this point. It would take a few cents off the price of gas. You know, Biden claims that between the federal and state, that's about a dollar in savings. But, yeah, to be clear, Congress has no intention of getting that done. And this is very much just a political move by Biden before he heads over to the Middle East to beg for more oil. That's fun, isn't it? Um, So what's the near term future here? I mean, we have midterms coming up. It seems like. Uh, America is responding negatively. His, his uh, President Biden's uh, approval ratings are at a historic low. There was a report out, I think, yesterday, the day before, that at least a million people have switched their uh, party of choice in the, in the voting rolls in anticipation of the midterms. Um, so much is at stake. Do you see this issue finding relief or getting worse in the near term? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse. I think gas prices are going to continue to stay high. Inflation is going to stay high. Uh, Biden's best hope is that it stops, right? It stops rising and sort of sl- and starts remaining level, and then he can focus on how do we bring it back down. But as we've seen, these prices continue to rise. The inflation continues to rise. So he's got a real problem on his hands. And, yeah, politically, he's he's in real trouble. And we look forward to, uh, you know, a, a future... Republican control of Congress, and and that's when it'll be very interesting as as they sort of go back and forth on this messaging war, who's who's trying to help and who's blocking who's blocking progress on these issues. So it'll be very interesting to see the what Biden's presidency becomes when Democrats are no longer in control, when he's no longer beholden to so many you know leftist pressures in his party when they're out of power. The hypocrisy gets me, I think, a lot. Um, they, they talk about green renewable energy and, you know, helping the planet and all of these other things. But at the same time, uh, they they don't talk about the fact that all of these Teslas are filled with coal burned ele- uh, generated electricity. Uh, they're not they're not filled up by solar panels They're not filled up by wind power. Uh, they don't talk about the sheer destruction and amount of effort and energy required to pull these mineral minerals out of the earth in order to create the lithium batteries that they love so much, nor do they talk about the impact on the Congolese who are sent uh, send their children and the poorest of the poor down into these uh, home-dug wells, uh, and regardless of the birth defects that now pollute their waterways and cause these issues, like they just ignore all of the downsides and they try to play up the upsides. Barack Obama installing 2,500-gallon uh, propane tank in his Martha's Vineyard home. Does that is that renewable? Is that green? I don't think so. Uh, what may? Why do they? Why is there such blatant hypocrisy on this issue? Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say that it's it's because of financial interests. We know the left is incredibly, massively invested in in clean energy technologies, not for economic reasons, because but because they have. They have the handle on the power to sort of force away fossil fuels, and they have already invested heavily in green energy as being the future. So they have a financial, they have a financial reason to 
to continue ignoring the problems, you know, the the dirty problems of clean energy. So you're going to continue to see that as as these, you know, these leftist billionaires who have control of the Democrat Party, uh, using them to sort of close down the dirty oil industry. They're they're focused on only those that one thing, preaching the gospel of of climate change to sort mm. of tra- transfer the economy into their pockets. So you're going to see a lot of that and. And yeah, it's it's all, the hypocrisy of electric cars will only be exposed if the consumer realizes that hey, it's not worth spending an additional ten, twenty thousand dollars to get an electric car. My savings aren't that much. Uh, maybe I should just stick with a, a traditional gas-powered vehicle because it's more secure, because it's it's more reliable. Uh, you know, we've already seen sort of reports of these you know, some of some of these electric cars starting on fire. How long do those batteries last? Right, they're going to run out, and you got to spend thousands of dollars to replace the battery. It'll ultimately be decided by the consumer. If the consumer sees electric cars as cool as valuable, then then this industry is going to take off. But it, it, as it's being artificially propped up by the government at this point, but with heavy subsidies, it'll be interesting to see All right. whether that's... Out of time with Charlie Spearing, Breitbart News. Thank you so much. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time, Charlie. Catch us in the next hour if you can. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge his existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So, is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Social media has enabled us to be more connected than ever with the people from our past, friends who we rarely see, and family who live far away. This can be a great blessing, but when used without guidance by our children, social media can actually deform a child's development. An essential aspect of a child's development is their relationship to the world. This happens through interactions between a child and their peers and a child and adults. Because of social media, most teens are overwhelmingly more influenced by their peers than by the adults in their lives. 
this is a problem. 94% of parents underestimate the activity of their children on social media. Don't be that parent. Use filtering and monitoring apps to protect your child and stay engaged in their tech use. Or better yet, hold off on introducing your child to social media. You want to be the strongest influence in your child's life for as long as possible. For our full podcast on this topic and for downloadable resources, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. Hi, my name is Olivia, and you're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, Catholic Radio throughout Metro Houston, on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Or those uh, those breaks, they, they really sneak up on you like that. You just pa-pow! Out of nowhere. Cut you right off. The Chesterton, man. Is that what it was? St. Chesterton. Sorry. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. Not the biggest Chesterton. <laughs> I mean, come on. He, he could write a mean pamphlet. I'll agree. But anything longer than that, it's just too big. Too bloviated. Is that Joe, a word? That can I make? Can that's I say heresy, it? Joe? Is it, I know everybody's <laughs> like, "Are you even Catholic?" Like, come on, just like get, like get there, like stop beating around the bush, <laughs> make your point, move on, sir. Like, anyway, uh, that was a good conversation with Charlie Spearing uh, in the last hour. Praise be to God. We were talking about the oil and gas situation. So much to uh, to discuss there from Breitbart. If you missed it, you can always catch the. The podcast version on our website at uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can also find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Also, you can download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. It's free. It's on your iOS or Android store, your app store. Download that today. It allows you to stay connected to your local GRN radio station, find programming information, listen to the live uh, station feed, contact your GM, or listen to the Catholic Drive Time podcast and more, just go to your app store and search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to God. Brent Haynes is coming up here in just a few minutes to talk about uh, the other huge stories that were coming out of the Supreme Court over this, this last week. And then there was another big one yesterday, I think it was. Huge. The Coach Kennedy one. Yeah. So so if, in case you missed it, we did an, uh, we did an, uh, an interview with the attorney of the coach who was fired for praying after a game. And uh, the backstory is that uh, people people got upset because he was praying. Uh, he was just, it's pretty funny because it wasn't very obvious. He was just quietly praying. And some of his students jumped in in the prayer. He didn't force them to do it, but some of them did, and it became a big deal, and he got fired for praying after a football game or during a football game. Yeah, So. Yeah. Uh, Good on good on the Supreme Court. This is a major win. Um, I, I hate the fact that it had to go to the Supreme Court. You know, it's right. simple. The guy but praying. There's a pretty at, good track <laughs> record at the Supreme Court. We'll ask Brent Haynes about it, obviously, in here in just a few minutes. But they, they usually support 
you know, rel religious liberty. Well, good on them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get the, the download from all the cases that came out this week. And they were, they were like, it was one bombshell after another. And then, of course, on Friday, yeah. the atomic bomb of if yeah Dobbs. If I was still in California, I would be ecstatic because the, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought when I was there, I, I said, you know, things are getting crazier here. I would love to get a concealed carry permit for California. Yeah. But How at the it time, it was impossible because impossible, yeah. you had to provide a good cause for, for you to even receive the license. New York not the same to mention, way. Yeah, like not to mention, yeah, exactly. New York is the same way. Not to mention, you'd have to go through the training, you'd have mm -hmm. to go through mm -hmm. uh, certification and all this stuff. And let alone if you ever had to use your... Oh, it would be game over. Yeah. It would be absolutely like, game even over. Even if you were allowed to have it on you, yeah. you're not actually allowed to use it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so there, the, the, the Supreme Court actually struck down that clause that made it so that you had to have a good cause uh, to receive the concealed carry license. So uh, that's pretty good. I think the, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Deputy, of, De Deputy Bonta has now announced that it's, mm. it's gone in California. So. Wow, but I did hear that, uh, of course, you're the governor out in California. Um, Gavin Newsom is his name, I believe, said he's going to resist this somehow. Hmm. I don't know exactly how he's able to do that. Kind of like the other politicians who are saying, I'm going to resist Roe versus, let's not listen to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. there were calls for using federal lands in states that outlawed abortion to still conduct abortion within those states. Sick. Yeah. Disgusting. That means our tax dollars are directly... I mean, they were before, but they're <laughs> exactly. more directly, you know, supporting. They're actually being used specifically for that very reason on federal lands. That would be that'd be another Supreme Court case waiting to happen. Is this not an opportunity to discuss tax fraud? I'm just kidding. No, I'm joking. That's a joke it, for legal reasons. For legal reasons. It's a total joke. That's a joke. Come on, guys. Well, coming up in this hour, we, of course, are going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. That's uh, coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, you could possibly win some prizes. It's fun. Three Catholic trivia questions, and you don't need to know the answers to win the game. So be on the standby to uh, potentially win. I will give you the phone number at the time, and your job will be to call that number and be your first caller. And we'll play Fear and Trembling, like I said, at 15 past the hour. Uh, the second half of this hour is our after show where we get a lot more casual about the conversation and interact with you directly. So you can tell us what you think and feel about all of these stories that we cover on one of the live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, Rumble, LinkedIn. Everything is linked on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the phones. Brent Haynes, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Joe. Good to have you back on the program today. We thought it would be fun to cover some of the other big, huge uh, stories, these cases that were coming out of the Supreme Court. We all were focused on Dobbs, but Maine, you had a school choice uh, case come out of Maine. New York gun permits, which also affect California. Coach Kennedy's right to pray at a game came down yesterday. The Dobbs, of course, the big road decision on Friday I mean, one bomb after another. It was a big week for the Supreme Court. Joe, it's not only been a big week, it's been a big year. And really, for those of us who care about religious liberty especially, uh, this has been a real run of several years now. You're right. Dobbs got all of the attention, of course, because of the focus on abortion in our country, and, it's, and it should receive a lot of attention. 
but there have been some other cases that have been real uh, valuable victories for religious liberty in this country, um, not just this past week, but this past year, and actually the last few years of the Supreme Court. Yes, um, but in particular, maybe you can take us through some of these cases. Uh, the school choice case, let's start with that. Why is that such a big deal? That's the case from Maine. Uh, that is the most important case, in my opinion, and in the opinion of um, some other lawyers I have talked to. Um, Maine has a program where they give uh, parents, you know, money, vouchers, essentially, to use to send their children to school. You know, Maine is a uh, sparsely populated state. They, they don't have public high schools every few blocks or every few miles, the way you do in large cities or larger states. And it makes sense for them to simply be more economical and give parents money and say, all right, we're going to give you money. You choose the best way to use this money. They, uh, parents could even use that money to go to exclusive private schools. They can even use that money to go to school out of state. But they can't use, at least they could not until the Supreme Court stepped in, could not use the money to go to a religious school. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is discrimination. Uh, that discrimination and a lot of the other uh, anti-religious discrimination stems not just from some honest, sincere belief in the separation of church and state, but from the anti-Catholic Blaine Amendments of the 1800s. A series of amendments were put into state constitutions around the country uh, to prevent government funding of anything uh, religious that might promote the Catholic faith. Um, and this isn't the first time the Supreme Court has struck down this kind of uh, uh, Blaine-influenced uh, law. Uh, last year, uh, in a similar case, but not exactly the same, and this is why sometimes you get similar issues going up to the Supreme Court, Montana, actually it was two years ago, Montana had a case, Espinoza versus the Montana Department of Revenue. There it wasn't a voucher program, it was a just a tax credit program. Parents could receive a tax credit. It was only a tax credit of $150. And the legislature created a program, the Montana Department of Revenue said, we're not even going to administer this program uh, because we're not going to give money to uh, religious schools. They were afraid of a lawsuit of, on grounds of religious discrimination. So they just said, we're not going to administer the program at all. Well, uh, after a lawsuit that went to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court said, no, that is religious discrimination. If you're going to have a tax program, you've got to give it to everybody. And you can't just say we're not going to have the program because that's really just an extension of the prejudice. Uh, even before that, in uh, 2017, there was a, a preschool church in Missouri called Trinity, you know, it's Trinity, Trinity Lutheran Church versus Comer. Very simple, mundane, bureaucratic program where the church applied to participate in a state grant program to use recycled materials that they wanted to use for their playground for their little, the little kids in their school. And the uh, state of Missouri, Missouri ranked the Trinity Lutheran program fifth out of 44 applicants. But then they said no because of the religion influence. They, wow. they just, again, religious discrimination. The court struck that down seven to two. So we've had a series of rulings here about how governments use money and, of course, as we know, education is fundamental. The court is systematically thrown out one prejudice after another mm. in terms of the ability of churches and religious organizations to participate as full citizens in our 
in our government programs in our society when it comes to the expenditure of tax dollars. You know, I, I always found it interesting that there's not more support for school choice, it's, you know, in general, just in general, let alone the religious institutions or homeschoolers, things like that. I pay taxes as a homeschooling dad, and that money goes to the local school system, with which my kids get zero benefit from, but my taxes still go there. Uh, but what about inner-city single moms who are struggling to make ends meet, who have kids and have to send them to the local public school, which is gang and violence-ridden? And they would love to be able to send their kid to, say, a Catholic school that's uh, obviously a lot better choice for them, but their hard-earned tax dollars won't go towards that. Will this affect that at all? Well, this Supreme Court decision allows parents to participate in these programs where they exist so that they can... Uh, not suffer from the consequences of religious discrimination. Now, the programs still have to exist. So that is a legislative and executive governmental issue in local school districts, in local cities and counties and states around the country. So if there is not a program, then parents aren't going to benefit from that until there is a program. Um, you're exactly right uh, about your description of parents who have to pay for public schools that are just intolerable and who would rather send their children to Catholic schools or to some other private Christian school or to any private school that just doesn't have the violence and gang activity and doesn't have the poor educational accomplishment or lack of accomplishment in the public schools. In fact, as school choice tends to poll very well among parents. It's the teachers' unions, especially the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, who hold a lot of sway in stopping school choice. Mm. But parents, in order to take advantage of the Supreme Court opinion, uh, there needs to be a program for, uh, for parents to participate in. But if there is one, the Supreme Court has said it's unconstitutional to say that you can't use your vouchers for religious schools. Yeah. Well, okay, so we only have a, a couple of minutes here, about a minute and a half here. We had the, the, the gun story come down and that affected New York, and as we talked about with Rudy a minute ago, also California. But let's go to the Coach Kennedy uh, with only a minute on the clock here. Uh, be, this coach was fired because he was praying by himself on the football field. What does this mean? you got about a minute. The, the big takeaway here is that it's going to put a solid – you know, a solid stop on, or at least a strong damper on businesses or at least government institutions telling employees that they can't pray on their personal time. Um, so if you have people, say, pray, who pray at work occasionally or want to pray on the premises, at least of, of a government employer, then they're going to have more freedom to do so. This is a harder case. If we had lost this, this would not have been devastating because it was sort of fact-oriented. You know, the coach was still really on the job. You know, the coach goes into the locker room after the game and dismisses the talks to the team and dismisses them. He's, you know, he's really on the clock. Uh, he's on a public property because he's on the football field, which is government property. If we had lost this, it would not have been devastating. The fact that we won, though, uh, just shows how well we are doing. We also won a case earlier this year uh, where the city of Boston had a flagpole program where they allowed organizations to fly flags up their flagpole, but they said no to religious groups, no to a, a church. Uh, we uh, won that case. And, 
again, uh, not a you know not a huge case, mm. but another sign that we're just we're knocking them out of the park at the Supreme Court. Yeah. As the president said a few years ago, I believe elections have consequences. Joe. Amen. They surely do. All right, Brent Haynes, attorney and. Catholic speaker, thank you for your time today, catching us up on these stories. Looking forward to having you back on next week. We're going to go to a break, but we're going to come back and we're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show where prizes are at stake and you could win, dear listener. All you need to do is pick up a phone and dial 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful. Or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. And we need a caller on the line to play the game. It is going to be fun, I promise, and super easy. If you've never played, why not try today? Uh, Call 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant. Uh, 877-757-9424. If it's been a while since you played, you may try calling back at 877-757-9424. But here is the deal. I have secrets and I have agendas, and you're not allowed to tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. That's the deal. If you can agree, then I will share with you my secrets and my agendas. But number one, 
we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something new about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. And our callers are amazing. It's true. And we enjoy that most of all. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everyone involved. But if you're new here, I shall explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. But the kicker is I do not ask the caller the question. So they don't need to know any of the correct answers and could still win the game. And that's because I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? I love that, Joe. Every answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize, which is... A replica of the coffee cup of divine providence. Now, it is scientifically proven that if you Mm -hmm. put a hot drink made out of beans in there, it tastes better. And further, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a nice remembrance, something to remember us by once they yank us off the the radio network. Is that what it is? (laughs) Uh, Certified replica. Certified. 100%. This is authentic. That's exactly right. But we lost the little placard that says that it's We did. (laughs) Sorry about that, but it is authentic. (laughs) The sticker we used to say, we covered it, it said Made in China. We put the sticker on it. We just lost that, I guess. Uh, We've only made a a certain number of these coffee coffee mugs, TDT coffee mugs, and uh, although we still have a bunch left. (laughs) <laughs> they are limited and going fast, I guess. <laughs> All right, so there's going to be a CDT price pack this week going That's out. correct. All right, which includes goodies and as well as a CDT mug autographed by the team here. By the team, yours yeah. truly. Praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning to you, Max. Yes. Praise be to God, Max. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Well, I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Yes. I am also well, It's a good start to the day, right? I mean, there you go. Check that box. That one is done. We can move on. Uh, Max, where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. That's right in our own backyard. Where do you go to church, yes. Max? At the Catholic Charismatic Center. Oh, way downtown. I haven't been there in college. It's probably been six or seven years since I've been down to the Charismatic Center. I used to, I used to, help, men, I used to help run men's conferences down there back in the day. Way back yeah, in the day. Yeah, um, yeah. Praise be to God, Max. Are you familiar with our game show? Do you know how the rules work? I do. Okay. Okay. So then you know I'm on your team, and it's just you and I against the other two. That's right. Yeah. Praise be. I'm the guy you can trust, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this face yeah, is some, very uh, trustworthy. Joe, you do know lying is a sin, right? The other two? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Not so much. I'm just just so you know, Joe is a politician. That's all you what? need to know. No. That's all you need to know. Stop it. I've lost every election I've ever participated in. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right, here it's we go. Talking about student government <laughs> <Yeah>. in high school. <laughs> I was going to say grade school, but okay. Uh, all right, we will start with Rudy, as is our custom. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, no tie, by the way. No tie. So, Interpret that however you wish, but there is zero tie on Rudy Carlos today. Hmm. Hmm. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Mm, yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rudy, God changed Jacob's name to what? God himself, capitalized the H, yes. changed the name 
uh, of Jacob mm. to what? Um, mm. Well, that that happened to be Israel is what he changed it to. Okay. He okay. said, Jacob, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be Israel from now on. <laughs> from now on, henceforward, this day forward, henceforth. Henceforth. You shall be known. Four score and seven. Oh, wait, that's a different, <laughs> different thing altogether. All right, Israel is your answer. All right, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, you are a world-renowned scholar in history. Oh, yes. Um, can you tell me, God changed Jacob's name to what? Yes, as a expert in names. Yes. I am just mm-hmm. enamored with names. Yes. I have a PhD in nameology. Nameology. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a technical technical term. That's amazing. Yes, I know. It's pretty pretty skillful. He changed his name uh-huh. to Lenin. Lenin. Mm-hmm. Like like the guy in Russia. No, no, like the one the singer. Oh, totally different. I, or like the cloth that covers the beds. Or like the the cloth that covers the altar. Got oh, oh. That's a, that's mm. nice touche, good sir. All right, Max in. Houston, Texas, here's the deal. God chained, changed Jacob's name to what? Adrian says it's Lenin, and Rudy says it's Israel. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max, what say you? I was thinking about going with Adrian, but I, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Uh, well, I'm going to do it. Well played, Max. I'm just thinking about it. Well played. <laughs> well played, sir. That was good. Uh, you should get extra credit for that answer. It was well played. Uh, p- pop quiz, bonus question. Pop. Jacob's name, Jacob itself means what? One who contends with God. Uh, I was going to ask Max, but that's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob the Surplanter. Yeah, one who contends with God. All right. Israel was the correct answer. Let's go to question number two. We're going to go to Adrian this time. Adrian, you of all people ought to know this. Uh-oh. Out of all the people. Out of all the people in the whole world. Who've ever lived. I should know this. You should know this. Yikes. What is the name given to the grave obligation of keeping secret yes. all knowledge the priest right. has obtained in the sacrament of penance? Okay. Yes. For sure. 100 percent. 100%. 100%. 100%. Okay. 99.5. 100%. What is the name given to the grave obligation of keeping secret all the knowledge the priest mm-hmm. has obtained in the sacrament of penance? That would be attorney privilege. Attorney Privilege, you mm-hmm. say. I think I heard that from Brent. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. So attorney privilege is your answer. That's my answer. Hmm. Let's get a second opinion on this one, Max. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me what is the name given to the grave obligation of keeping secret all knowledge the priest has obtained in the sacrament of penance? But then another attorney, kind of a lawyer guy, mm-hmm. canon lawyer, he said mm-hmm. he was, he mm-hmm. said it was a seal of confession. The seal of confession. You Sounds say. like fake news. Seal of. Seal? I'm not talking about the the porpoise. Okay. Are you talking the, uh, about like the animal in the water? Yeah, no. Like a seal on a door. Or I'm not talking about the singer either. Like a wax seal. Like the yeah. navy navy okay. seals. No, oh, no, not them. stop it. All right, Max. Let's uh, cut through the weeds here on this one. What is the name given to a grave obligation of keeping secret all the knowledge the priest has obtained? In the sacrament of penance, is it as Rudy says, the seal of confession, or is it as Adrian says, the attorney privilege? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max in Houston, what say you? The seal of confession. Rudy. Let's go. Are you Duh. noticing a trend here? Duh. Are Max, we, who, 
Who's <laughs> correlating the data between his Rudy's answers and the, his tie? I'm just curious. That's weird. So we should be keeping yeah. track of it. Max, if you win this week, you got to come pick up the, 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 <laughs> come. the prize. you got to come, come visit <laughs> come us. Come into the store and uh, take a pick. <laughs> All right, let's go to question number three. I think we can get you in for a third straight answer. I think it's going to be a perfect score today, Max. We're going to go back to Rudy. I don't know. It's pretty hard. You think so? Mm-hmm. This is easily not the hardest. This today. is the hardest question we've ever had, actually. Ever? Ever. In the history of Kathy Grimes. We should call Emily and ask her for her opinion. Uh, go back to the historical records here. She's busy planning a wedding. She is, isn't she? She's got better things to do. All right. Let's go to uh, Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, is fortitude one of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost? Oh, boy. You bet. And uh, that's one that I need, so pray for me. Fortitude. Fortitude. Okay. Hmm. Adrian, what could possibly be my answer? I, I, you know, <laughs> I can't wait, personally. Maybe. Like, what will he say? What will he say? Is fortitude one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Well, I say Joe is being tricky, and it's actually one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? That's the question. So your answer is... It's not a gift at all. It's a fruit. Yep. Is that, well, that you're, That's what I'm saying. You're trying to say that. Those are the words that if came out of my mouth. If you're it was attempting. a fruit, which one would it be? Yeah, probably an apple. Well, Max, I hope you're not going to swing on the curveball that was tr- tossed your way. But uh, is fortitude one of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost? Adrian says it's not a gift. It's a fruit. Whereas Rudy says, yes, it is, in fact, a gift. One of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. Max, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, sir? I believe it is Rudy. Are you saying Rudy's right three times in a row? Oh, man. For three. Ah, well done, Max. He did not swing at that curveball over there. Yes, good job, Max. Praise be to God. God bless you, Max. Thanks for playing our game and having a little laugh with us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thanks for your time today. Have a great day, whatever you're doing. We're going to be keeping you in our prayers. But uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to put you on hold in case it be God's holy will that you should win. You have to tune in Friday to be sure. But that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. If you can hang out with us on the after show, we, of course, want to conversate directly with you. You can go onto our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to find the links to all of our live video feeds where you might comment and let us know where you're from. Like uh, Sky Baker and uh, Alberto and Jay Coke and everybody else will be hanging out with you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Irenaeus, 
Bishop and Martyr. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. God, Father, praise and glory Thy children bring to Thee Thy grace and peace to mankind Shall now be or ever be O most holy Trinity, undivided unity, holy God, mighty God, God immortal, be adored. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who called the Bishop St. Irenaeus to confirm true doctrine and the peace of the Church, Grant, we pray, through his intercession, that being renewed in faith and charity, we may always be intent on fostering unity and concord through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Amos. Hear this word, O children of Israel, that the Lord pronounces over you, over the whole family that I brought up from the land of Egypt. You alone have I favored more than all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your crimes. Do two walk together unless they have agreed? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from its den unless it has seized something? Is a bird brought to earth by a snare when there is no lure for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground without catching anything? If the trumpet sounds in a city, will the people not be frightened? If evil befalls a city, has not the Lord caused it? Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. The lion roars, who will not be afraid? The Lord God speaks, who will not prophesy? I brought upon you such upheaval as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah 
You were like a brand plucked from the fire, yet you return not to me, says the Lord. So now I will deal with you in my own way, O Israel, and since I will deal thus with you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lead me in your justice, Lord. Lead me in your justice, Lord. At dawn, I bring my plea expectantly before you. For you, O God, delight not in wickedness. No evil man remains with you. The arrogant may not stand in your sight. Lead me in your justice, Lord. You hate all evildoers. You destroy all who speak falsehood. The bloodthirsty and the deceitful, the Lord abhors. Lead me in your justice, Lord. But I, because of your abundant mercy, will enter your house. I will worship at your holy temple in fear of you, O Lord. Lead me in your justice, Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I trust in the Lord, my soul trust in His word. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm came up on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this, whom even the winds and the sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Remember back about uh, 25 years ago when I was a uh, missionary volunteer in Belize with Father Brady, we used to sometimes to travel around, not often, but uh, to get from Benque to San Ignacio. Sometimes in the evening, the buses weren't running anymore. If you didn't have a ride, you'd go to the edge of town, and you would get into the back of someone's pickup truck who you didn't know, and they would take you uh, over to San Ignacio. So one night, there were three of us who were going to be going over there for a basketball game. I should say as a disclaimer, I do not advocate hitchhiking for anybody. Uh, it was not a wise thing to do, as I was about to find out in a moment, but they said there it was kind of the only way you had sometimes to get around. And this was probably the only truck in Belize that was actually fully functioning and seemed to be relatively new, because we passed the last speed bump in the town and then kind of hit the open road for 10 minutes to get to San Ignacio, and all of a sudden you could just see the wind flying through your hair in the back of the pickup, and the driver had the vehicle seemingly floored and absolutely maxed out in terms of the speed. And the three of us in the back, 
the only thing we could do was kind of shrivel up like little balls and lay down in the back of the pickup in a fetal position and just start praying your mind out because the road was kind of windy. Uh, the driver, because of the speed, was having to use every inch of it, including the other direction. And you just knew this was not a good situation. I remember as I was sitting in, or laying in the back of that pickup truck, I was, I never prayed so hard in my life. And I just remember I kept saying, Lord, I would have been a priest. I would have been a priest. <laughs> the reason I was saying that is at the time I believed it was God's will that I, I was called to the priesthood and I was kind of struggling with responding to it. And so I wanted to make sure he knew if this was my last <laughs> moment that, you know, indeed, I'm having a hard time right now, but I, I would have responded in the end, I can, I can assure you. Then, of course, when you get out of the pickup and you arrive safe, like, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't that big a deal after all. It wasn't, it wasn't all that close. But point is, when we have these experiences, uh, real or exaggerated, that we believe are close to death, boy, it's amazing how our focus sharpens in on our reliance on God, our dependence on God, our need for Him and our desire to wholeheartedly do His will. It's the rest of the time when we feel safe and secure and that we have another 50, 60 years on this earth that we fool ourselves into thinking, oh, I have time for all of that tomorrow. Today's Gospel, we really see in a way the disciples in a similar situation. They wake up in the midst of a very violent squall or storm on the water and they're quite frankly terrified for their lives and they turn to Jesus and beg to Him for we know the Lord calms the storm, but he also, of course, is teaching them a very important lesson that in life, Jesus is the one who we are called to turn to when we are in trouble, but we're also then called to reflect and remember we're called to turn to him at all times because, number one, we never know when trouble is, but number two, because we know we are totally reliant on the Lord for absolutely everything in our life anyway. I think today's gospel reminds us to try to have a sense of urgency in our life that every day we wake up uh, we don't know if it's going to be our last day or not we don't know what the day is going to hold but we should wake up with that same kind of urgency and ferocity to want to do God's will and to want to turn to Jesus with all our heart because um, we know we live in a very uncertain world we know we live in a very precarious world which is more and more clear to us every day and ultimately we know that Jesus is the only one who can save. I'll just share one last story with you in the Philippines are salt as many uh, kind of remote island missions there that you have to travel to by boat of course and uh, the bishop was telling me there once that he was traveling to one of the islands by boat for a fiesta and a you know, they're used to traveling on water there, but there was a particularly bad storm which kind of came up on the water. And the bishop admitted to me, he said, you know, I was really, really afraid. I was really worried about this. And he said, you know, they got through it. And when they got off the boat, he was asking the crew of the boat. He said, boy, you guys were remarkably calm all the way through here on this boat ride. How did you do it? He said, well, we, we had the bishop with us, so we knew that we would be okay. <laughs> he said he felt so embarrassed that he himself was terrified, and the people were totally assured because he was with them as a sign of the presence of Jesus among them. I think his story, as he said, it was kind of a humbling experience, but it reminds us that you know we too, even as 
as priests or as religious and of course as lay faithful as well um, we're always called to remember the Lord is with us that he's there to calm the storms of life and all what we have to do is turn to him and offer to him our life and so my brothers and sisters as we go forward today let us ask God for the grace that every day of our life we would turn to the Lord with a sense of urgency to ask him to protect us to secure us and most importantly ask him to help guide us to fulfill God's will every day of our life amen trusting in our father's love and mercy let us bring our petitions before him we pray for our holy father Pope Francis and for all bishops that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit and for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all government <coughs> leaders, that they too would be guided by the Holy Spirit to enact laws that would always protect and safeguard human life, especially in its most vulnerable stages, and would always enact laws that always respect the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering. They would be given consolation in their faith and have the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and through radio, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in the theological virtue of faith in our lives. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Faith of our fathers living still, in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy, whene'er we hear that glorious word. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Faith of our fathers, Mary's prayers, shall win all nations unto thee, and through the truth that comes from God, mankind shall then indeed be free. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the sacrifice we offer you with joy on the heavenly birthday of St. Irenaeus bring your glory, O Lord, and instill in us a love of the truth, so that we may keep the church's faith inviolate 
and her unity secure through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you are glorified when your saints are praised. Their very sufferings are but wonders of your mind. In your mercy you give ardor to their faith. To their endurance you grant firm resolve. And in their struggle the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore, all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration. And we with all the hosts of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith We proclaim your death, O Lord and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and to all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preach up this salutary vis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere. Pater Noster, qui has in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are truly present in the Most Holy Eucharist. I love you very much and I desire to receive you. Although I cannot receive you at this time, please come spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there. Never let me be separated from you. Amen. Father, we thank Thee who has planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal. Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain one scattered on the hillsides was in this broken bread made one. So from all lands thy church be gathered into thy kingdom by thy Son. Let us pray. Through these sacred mysteries we pray, O Lord, give us in your compassion an increase of that faith which brought glory to the bishop St. Irenaeus, as he maintained it even until death. And may the same faith bring to us who truly follow it justification in your sight, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulceto, Espes Nostra Salve. A te clamamus, exules filii heve, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, Misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum benedictum frutum ventris. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, 
Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, my name is Dr. Alex Gote, and I'm from Christ the Good Shepherd.